It is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. That quote is by Krishnamurti. How many more diets do we have to fail at before we realize it's not dieting we need? It's healing. Whether it's your weight, your career, or your love life, the principle is the same. We have to be talking about the deep down stuff and actually heal. I'm Jacqueline, the therapist. Real people, real problems, no small talk. I love that quote by Krishnamurti. And the reason I like it is I find it so relevant in what I'm personally going through and what I see in society today. It is so hard to examine this stuff, the deep down dirty stuff that's painful and uncomfortable. You know, we have our cultures and institutions and families telling us to do the opposite. It's so ingrained in our minds to glaze over this stuff, stick the Band-Aid on it, and keep moving forward. What we forget is sometimes going back into the past and healing some of that stuff is what helps us move forward. And that's certainly been the case with myself. And this is not an easy journey. And the deeper I go, the more I find that society doesn't support this health. And, and what I'm talking about is my internal journey. I notice I'm turning 40 this year and I've really come up against a lot of stuff that I thought I would have and I don't have. I want a family, I want to meet my husband and I'm single right now and I've been questioning a lot of things in my career and looking at what the big, bigger picture is for myself. and. I'm sad to say I don't have these things that I want on this larger scale. And internally, what I've been examining is where that stuff has come from, the motivation for that stuff. And a lot of it is, is, is what society tells me I should have in order to be happy. So if I'm living from the state that says I need this thing, this thing is going to fix me and fulfill me more, I'm already in trouble. Luckily enough, because I don't have these things, I'm able to sit with what's beneath it and face that discomfort. And my mission is to, to heal from some of it. So I get a lot of social anxiety in uh, you know group dinners, parties, whatever. Small tech makes me very uncomfortable. And I've, I've always had this and, and I've tried to find different ways to combat it. I grew up in a large family where you had to be really loud to be heard. And and for myself, I was oftentimes punished when I used my voice. So I kind of take that fear with me into the world when I'm placed in large groups and I repeat those old family dynamics. Well, one day I went to a friend's birthday party and I knew only the friend and one other girl there. And I sat next to these other three girls who I didn't know. And I just read this article in the New York Times that was uh, talking about some some of the 36 questions or answers to love or something like that and and I found the article fascinating and so I pulled one of the questions uh, from the article I, I didn't let them know that this is what I was doing and one of them was just you know tell me about yourself in in five or ten minutes so I started the conversation uh, talking about myself and and really hitting points of, of things that were uncomfortable that you wouldn't expect in a normal small talk uh, kind of conversation. And what happened after that was magical. 
we went around girl by girl, each of them giving their history. And the stories that these women shared, I, I was so blown away by their honesty and what was beneath the surface, stuff that you never could have guessed from looking at these women. Uh, one woman had this scar in her lip that I remember thinking was so cool. I thought it was really beautiful. And it was actually a scar from a cleft palate she had had when she was younger. And apparently she was left on the doorstep of an orphanage and she was adopted by an American family. And she always carried this pain with her that her parents abandoned her because of her cleft palate. Just heartbreaking, heartbreaking stuff. And the, th the thing is to talk about that, there's so much beauty and connection when we break down these walls and get rid of the judgment and are able to just connect with other people on a more cellular level. My friend still brings up that party today because those women still talk about me and I, I'm still curious about them and their lives. And so recently I was at a dinner party and I was sitting next to my guest who's on the show today. And he also doesn't seem to have much of a, a palate for small talk. And when I told him about this podcast, he was immediately interested and actually asked to be interviewed, which of course I loved because I, I knew that he wanted to get into something and kind of examine uh, what was going on with him. So here's Eric, I hope you enjoy. Hi, Eric. Hello, Jacqueline. So I wanted to hear a little bit about your hair history and if you have any war stories, hair war stories, I'd love to hear them. Well, I am a, uh, a tall, handsome, dark, bald man. Mm -hmm. I can't actually remember the last time I had hair. <laughs> what made you shave your head? I think uh, it was the Michigan Fab Five basketball team. Okay. Um, they all shaved their heads and wore black socks. And growing up, I was into sports, so uh, I shaved, started shaving my head. Yeah, okay. And, yeah. What was your hair like before you shaved your head? I had an afro, mm -hmm. but I looked, not you know, as a colored person, man of color, I looked actually, um, I think, more Puerto Rican <laughs> with, with my afro than <laughs> I did. The, what does that mean? <laughs> well, it, it was like a wavier afro okay. Okay. versus... Um, versus the traditional afro mm -hmm. like i had a pick in it but it was lovely wavy hair so i just equate that to and you stuck the pick in it like i stuck that, the pick okay, in it, it. and yes. uh, the girls in school would, uh, would comb my hair and pick my hair that was lovely so that right off the bat was uh, of course sexually uh, driven at a young age um, because of the picking of the hair and then um, when i was in my teens i had cornrows mm -hmm. and they i had them done by a uh, South African lady in Chicago, and I forgot her name, but she literally pulled my hair to the point where I felt like uh, she was going to pull out my hair. But uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, to get really tight and fantastic. And the cornrows lasted three days because then I shaved my head. If you had all this attention from women with the the fro, right. I'm I'm interested to hear why you shaved. That's interesting that you asked me because I was just talking to a friend today, and she goes, "Eric, you need to." Uh, you need to really watch your diet. You're handsome. You're dark, and uh, you're going to upbreed uh, with a lot of uh, Caucasian women. And I said, "Well," and she's Caucasian herself, so she said, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! Can we go back to yeah, the term upbreeding?" Yeah, let's go back upbreeding. upbreeding. <laughs> yeah. So this is a, a friend uh, in her in her fifties basically uh -huh. said, "You know, it's all about um, upbreeding." And she says, "You live in Palm Springs. You like to travel a lot internationally." 
and um, many Caucasian women from 30 to 40 to 50 would love to upbreed and have children with a, a man of, of your complexion, darker complexion, because um, it black don't, don't crack, I guess. And, um, and when you have children that are a little darker, it's the new kind of uh, longevity of life, I would say. So. Okay, so it's interesting that you come from this experience of, you know, forget about the person, it just, you know, straight into... Just straight up is, to upbreading, yeah. Yeah, that's a nice way of objectifying another person. I, it's it's know, really horrible, yeah. Interesting. Well, keep in mind, I'm, I'm hungover from last night, and we were, there was a lots of objectifying going on in a uh-huh. big group of people, and lots of talk of uh, horribly sexual explicit acts, so uh, sex is on the mind, as is alcohol is in the blood. And and wait, so let's let's rewind a little. So your friend said that. How does that relate to you shaving your head? Oh yes. So uh, I told my friend. Uh, she also uh, commented on my health. She goes, "You need to eat healthier." Mm-hmm. And uh, she's all about eco friendliness, sustainability, uh, vegetarianism, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and such. So she goes, "You need to have a better diet because you're going to be changing the bloodline." Of, mm-hmm. of a lot of uh, countries and having upbreeding with all these women as you, during really your travels, yeah. Okay. So she said, you know, you need to get uh, much healthier. And um, basically, from that conversation, I said, listen, I don't want to get healthier because I'll be more dangerous as a, as a handsome, dark, healthy man. And it will be more trouble for me because there will just be women and drama and issues going on. And with the hair thing, uh-huh. um, I think I shaved my head uh-huh. Uh, because I had nice wavy hair, uh-huh. and women would pick it all the time. So I didn't want the attention. Hence, now we wear a beanie, throw a beard on. Yes, everyone can say, hey, you're a hipster, hip, cool. You're something different. But at the same time, I think I'm... There's distance. There, Yes, yes, there's distance. Yeah. See, there you go. It's yeah, nice uh, full totally. circle there, right? Yeah, it's so interesting because you started out this conversation talking about upbreeding, quote-unquote, right, right. as you say, and... and, and <laughs> And being out amongst, you know, the opposite sex and, and you know, um, it, it sounded like you're even curious about multiple partners, et cetera. Uh, yet you mentioned you, your whole thing is about actually keeping that at bay. And it's uh, ever since you were younger, you had this thing of already that lack, that lack of trust. Correct, correct. In yourself. Yeah, no, most certainly. And, and maybe of, of women as well. That's a possibility. I think um, I was raised uh, by a single mom. Uh-huh. Um, I was always, a, no, I had one brother who's passed away, but... Um, I'm sorry. No, thanks, thanks. I'll use that against you later. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Careful what you say. <laughs> and uh, I think the key is uh, women have always... Um, taken to me in terms of oh you're you're different you're um likable your your personality is great you're cute you're handsome you're yada 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 so i've always received compliments Mm -hmm. but i you know i take those in stride in terms of that's great but i i never really sit down to i guess finish the conversation with Mm -hmm. the feelings of of the other party Mm -hmm. so i just kind of take it as hey that's great and just use that as a um maybe full sense of confidence Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, and then in, in the scheme is of things, that, is that what your mother did to you? Or no, no. I think my my mother was uh, she traveled so much, so I was a lot key oh, so kid. She was gone a lot. She was okay. gone a lot, so I kind of uh, just found out things on my own and did things on my own. So I was, I was a big time loner. Um, I was always into Gilligan's Island, watching TV Land, 
but then uh-huh. got into to fashion, mm-hmm. uh, models, fashion. So went to a lot of um, runway shows and love the the clothing, the design. Mm-hmm. I carry a man bag, right, mm-hmm. a satchel. Immerse. Immerse, immerse. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I really, I guess I do objectify women and I enjoy women um, mm-hmm. from, from that aspect. Of course, sexual, but also conversation and just... Um, I think the moment. Well, it sounds like you enjoy women like your relationship was with your mother from a distance. There you go. I think, yeah, you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It's pretty clear. And, and so then, of course, it goes back to the shaved head, right? Uh, only allows so much closeness, so much right, intimacy, right. only in the way that you see that you're comfortable in your parameters. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you do any work on yourself right now? Are you on some kind of healing journey? Are you against this term? No, not at all. I, a healing journey always means vagina to me. Um, oh, okay. So healing always means women heal you. No, no. Healing always means like for a healing journey, it would be like um, being with a woman. I always see that as a healing journey. So women, like just women laying, heal you. Yeah, yeah. Laying it like uh, women are my healing journey. Uh, gotcha. Always have been. Okay. So I've got a huge, I don't want to say issue, but I've got a huge um, need. need for women for yeah. intimacy, for um, but only certain kind of intimacy, right? Because you said you like to 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 a, a to a dis- to a distance, yeah. right? So I think it's uh, as a Pisces. I always bring that up as a Pisces. As a um, I, I always enjoy uh, the romantic side of things. You know, laying in bed, conversations, lunches, the chase, the uh-huh. interaction, the spontaneity, uh-huh. and then I think uh, to to that fact. Um, I, I guess just to a certain certain extent. That sounds really painful, actually. It it, it probably is. If so you're it's a, just relying on somebody else all the time to to right. fix you, and then you can't really allow yourself fully. Right. It's it, kind of it's almost like a journey, like a, a hamster on a wheel, yeah. getting to it, just kind yeah. of going round and round. Yeah. 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 I understand that. Yeah. So. So, what do you want to talk about today? Well. Let's. There's a lot. I guess. <laughs> let's Seems hear like it. There's a lot. <laughs> So I'd like to talk about you. I'd like to turn this around and say, um, where do you get your eyebrows done? <laughs> We're talking about you. Oh, okay. So we'll keep it on you. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah. I get my eyebrows. Uh, but that's a really great way to avoid your own stuff. I like the projection, great? right? Because that's what you do. Women heal you, right? So exactly. if you don't have to focus on yourself, you can focus on my eyebrows. Exactly. Which are very good, by the way. For the record, I've been working on them for years. For the record, folks, Jacqueline's <laughs> eyebrows are absolutely amazing. It's the first thing. That's the only reason I'm doing this uh, podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's let's get back to you. You know, for a certainly, second. Certainly, certainly. You know, I'm just going to say, why don't we both just close our eyes for a second and both feet on the floor, and deep breath in, let it out, and just you know, maybe ground down for a second and, and just. Um, you know, sometimes this stuff is, it's, it's so hard to be authentic and honest and, you know, so easy to project out. And, you know, I'm just going to ask the powers that be that, that both of us can remain authentic in, in ourselves and comfortable in our bodies and, and uh, use this as time to really explore versus jump out. Good call. Good call. Yeah. And even if it helps, um, you know, if you need to look away or look down or whatever to just kind of reground, you know, go for it. Um, so what do you want to talk about? Where do you want to start? Well, we can start with um, I'm 38 years old. Mm-hmm. 
it's February. It's Black History Month. Mm-hmm. It's also my birthday month. Okay. I'll be 39. Uh-huh. I still feel young, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, I think most recently, uh, just getting a divorce and being single for the first time in, in 19 years, because I wow. was married twice, is a huge um, moment in time for me. Yeah. So there's a lot of self-discovery, and I think realistically this will be my healing journey year or years oh. to come. Okay. So um, I can tell you right off the, the get-go that the first month being single Mm-hmm. Which was when? When was your first month? Last single? month. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. you just, when you say being single, does that mean uh, paperwork done? Correct, paperwork done, done and, okay. uh, and okay. uh, moved, yes, moved out and Complete on. cut. Complete cut. Gotcha. Yeah. So, okay, so a month in. Wow. Yeah, a month in. And um, it's quite interesting because for the few weeks in that first month, I was uh, dilly-dallying and doing a silly kind of let's keep myself busy with... Uh, you know, mm-hmm. romancing and fornicating and um, and not feeling and mm-hmm. uh, the confusion was there. So, um, and I, if I look back at the, the four relationships in the four weeks, um, they were all very different. One was mm-hmm. like a hippie boheme uh, clothing um, designer. Um, mm-hmm. And she, you know, I invited her to an impromptu dinner um, uh, that uh, a hotel was having, mm-hmm. and I just met her at a coffee shop, so that was mm-hmm. one. And then the other was a extremely young uh, redhead, and I, you know, I should I don't want to say names, but um, she was interesting because being so young and in, in your twenties, and not as a woman, my concern was I remember saying to her, "You don't even know who you are. <laughs> I don't know who I am. That's what I was going to ask. Right. I don't know who I am, but at the same time, are you sure we should, uh, you know, hook up? Uh-huh. So. Oh, and so you put it in her court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes, we hooked up, but the key was, um, it's very interesting because there was self-awareness there of, like, uh-huh. each situation continuously going on. Um, and the other one was a, a foreign traveler. <laughs> so I think the key is. Um, Distance. Distance, um, and also uh, occupying time and, and mm-hmm. space, rather than sitting down in a room with yeah. a, a lovely lady with beautiful eyebrows and having a, a real conversation and finding that kind of actual epicenter of what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's a self-discovery, healing journey. I think it's yeah. a continuous um, process, and it's a process I've only started uh-huh. um, in the last few weeks. Yeah. So I, I have no idea uh, what it is, where it's going. Um, am I excited? Am I going to falter? Am I going to go back into certain behaviors or never leave certain behaviors that I'm currently in mm-hmm. since uh, youth? Maybe, maybe not. Well, it um, depends if you if you want to. It depends on question. if I want to, right. And I've never been really disciplined. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. kind of um, my life, my relationships, my career – um, has always depended on spontaneity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's just, maybe hasn't depended on it. Maybe that's what I've always provided to it. So therefore, I don't know any different. Yeah. So, but I definitely, uh, there's moments of, uh, moments of loneliness, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say um, you're typical lonely because I like to go see movies alone. I like to do things alone growing up as a, you know, with a mom that traveled and a lock key, as a lucky kid, I was able to um, kind of build a resilience of 
hey, this is what I'm, Yeah. this is me, this is what I'm doing, I kind of fend for myself, but... Um, well, if I could just may interrupt yeah, you please. for a moment, when you said build a resilient a resilience, mm. that's interesting, because I'm just wondering how it must have felt for you growing up. Now, I get you do all this stuff to survive, right? Right. But how did it really feel having a mom who was physically and emotionally un- unavailable? Well, no, no, she was emotionally available, but uh, to an extent, just all the time, it's a little hard to be completely right. available. Right. No, that's child. true. I yeah. think it was. Um, and I'm not faulting her, right? No, you know, no, I'm no, sure no, no. But I was just thinking, just from a love standpoint, and a hey, this is what we have to do in terms of to survive and support. The yeah, kids. So, exa- exactly. But not you're right. Faulting the, her the, in that, the but daily, that mean, yeah. the daily emotional uh, balance. You're right. Yeah. It wasn't there. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know how that feels because I don't really sit in a room and um, and think about. I never think about uh, the past or the the present even. I just kind of go about the day. Well, let's think about it for a second, right? So So let's see how it feels. Um, Maybe close your eyes for a second, you know. Hmm. That's good. Well, you know, I'm assuming it felt probably abnormal. Mm -hmm. You know, it felt abnormal. I don't feel like it felt sad or um, upsetting at all. But I would say the word abnormal comes into play because you yeah. know seeing other uh, kids and families you're going to think hey you know this is a traditional type of uh, family and a traditional type of upbringing so was it fun to travel so much and move and uh, meet new people and uh, be uh, well versed in coast to coast and city to city most certainly and I wouldn't give that up for the world now because I feel like I'm a better person for having traveled so much and, and yeah. learned so, so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry to yeah, interrupt, no but uh, first you said, so you traveled a lot with your mom. You guys went together. Well, we moved. So she, you just, you moved we around moved a lot. around okay. a lot. So we went from New, uh, New York to Chicago to, I uh, went to San Francisco to LA to back to New York. Um, Did you ever get to say goodbye to your friends? And Oh yeah, you know? yeah. There's always goodbye to friends and there's always, there's still connections to, uh-huh to friends. But again, that's a good point you bring up because I don't, I hold probably four friends or five friends in, in high esteem in terms of connection. I don't have to uh, talk to them for six months to a year, but if I reach out to them or they reach out to me, it's just like old times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great, but I, I do distance myself from, uh, from friends, from people, um, just because, uh, I don't know, probably just upbringing. And just mm-hmm. being traveling so much and, and moving around so much, never really building connections. So, for instance, um, if we're hanging out and we go see a movie, or hey, what do you want to do this Tuesday, or hey, why don't we go uh, plan this trip? I um, there's only a certain level of hey, that's great. Mm-hmm. I guess if I'm not having sex with you, um, it would last for <laughs> maybe a couple of <laughs> a couple of meets mm-hmm. at this point, and that sounds horrible, but. It's a case of kind of, I don't know, there's only so many kind of brunches and lunches and dinners and drinks and conversations that we can, that I feel like people can have before there's some kind of um, distance met that I, that I see. So for instance, older friends, I don't really have to, um, I can connect with them, like I said, three, six months, nine months out and just check up in on them, see how they're doing, go see them, go to dinner and not really have to explain myself and have like that classic like oh how was your week and how Mm -hmm. what did you do and 
yada yada yada. The normal day in. Yeah, the normal day in and day out. I'm not a big fan of. I'm more of a big fan of like, um, again, spontaneity in terms of whether it's running or not running, but just hey, let's go do this, and then we can move on to to something else. Or if it's great, let's uh, let's stay in it for as as long as it's great, and then so kind of yeah, yeah. onto the next, onto the you know kind of. I I guess, but with with a certain kind of. honest communication with that person, whether it be guy, girl, um, friend, you know, um, just an honesty in terms of like, hey, this is great, but as we're sitting at dinner, I'm like, hey, this is, we're having dinner and we just, this is very uh, monotonous and <laughs> let's uh, yeah. do something else or mm-hmm. surprise me or entertain me. My mm-hmm. brother always said oh, uh, friends surprise. are for, um, uh-huh. f- friends are for entertainment. They should be good entertainment. And if they're not, then, um, then you should find new friends. So I think I definitely uh, hide behind um, conversation rather than just silence. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, let's sit here for a second. You just sit, what comes up? I just feel a, a blockage, I think. Just mm-hmm. a blockage yeah. of uh, definitely a defense mechanism blockage of emotion. And it's not even emotion. It's not holding back. I think it's more how to feel yeah like I, I don't think I understand how to feel yeah so probably nobody taught you how right to feel. so therefore yeah. it's not even a case of oh you know I'm holding back or I have so much emotion built up but that's a of course where was where was your dad uh never met my father so that's a huge uh, huge thing um uh-huh. my mother uh said she was raped actually uh-huh. in New York and uh-huh. uh, so I never knew my father Wait, you're you're a child of rape? Right, right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think you know. Wait, wait, wait. How did your mother explain this to you? Well, um, it came up multiple times throughout my childhood, and I would just ask, you know, what uh, about my father, and uh-huh. she didn't want to bring it up. Uh, right in high school, she brought up uh, as I was getting college applications and stuff. I got very upset, and I was like, Hey, uh, I'd like to write down my father's name on the college application, oh. but I don't know it. You know, things like that. Oh. And then she kind of just uh, brought, explained it, and was very distraught and upset. And even to that point, I, you know, I didn't, uh, didn't, uh, what you might call it, uh, process process it and yeah, to believe it's a it. Lot. It was like a lot, you that's know, being eighteen, lot, yeah. nineteen years old. So I think definitely that's, that's a so huge, scary. yeah. So definitely a huge factor there, and you have to remember family. Wait, wait, wait. Let's oh, just yeah. let's yeah. just sit because I know you use your words, sure, right? Sure. I try not to interrupt you, but this is where the juice is. Oh, okay. You know, that's this is, this really is the good big. stuff. This is the rating. <laughs> this is ratings. It's really big. Yeah. So I think that's. Uh, how do, how do you feel about that now? Maybe close your eyes for a second. Let's just like sit yeah, yeah. in a second, and don't worry, I'm not. Well, I'm not no, no, use all Jacqueline. This, no, so. what I was saying is, I think. How do I feel? I feel kind of numb about it. To be re- it's a you know, really hard thing to accept. So it's a hard thing to accept, but I think that's the distancing. I don't really think about it on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a a thought, but mm-hmm. there is that creation of distance there, the unknown. So yeah. you know, and it's not me searching for. That's that's the one thing I, I, that I'm very clear uh-huh. about myself. Like, you know, I might not know myself completely or allow myself to be open but the one thing I do understand about myself is I'm not searching for anything a lot of people feel like they're searching and a lot of people can deny and say hey I'm searching I'm not searching I didn't know I was searching but 
that's the thing with me. I'm content in the fact that I'm, I do know who I am from a standpoint of what I want. So what I want is I enjoy <laughs> curating like experiences, life. I like keeping things very clean, simple, controlled, controlled yeah. disciplined. Yeah. Um, but of course that stems from childhood and being a Lockheed kid, not knowing my father, and then also having kind of uh, horrific things happen throughout life. Yeah. For instance, my brother passed away uh, from alcoholism, cirrhosis of the liver. So I mean, my mo- my mother has cancer, so a two-time survivor wow. of cancer, but she's wow, very there's a limited. lot of big trauma here. Yeah, so there's I mean, there's a lot of uh, trauma lot. Yeah. coming from the outside. So of course, you know, two divorces, and uh, I think there's just a lot yeah. going on. So I understand why you'd want to run from that. That's a lot. Yeah. So and I'm still dealing with my with my mother in terms of helping her out and yeah. on a day to day basis. Um, so I do feel very um, overwhelmed, overwhelmed, taxed, exhausted. Yeah. Hence, I'm, you know, in Palm Springs, right? I could, uh, I was a New York uh, hotel guy. It wasn't a, a classic burnout case of like, hey, I'm burnt out. This needs to end. It was a case of, I want to go to a place where I can kind of just have a quality of life. So that was always a, a thing, looking for like an actual qual after all of yeah. the, you know. So that's maybe, yeah. Looking for a quality it. of life and then mm-hmm. trying to kind of uh, get, to, for instance, you asked me about healing. Mm-hmm. Um, Yoga. Just started doing yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's and, and trying to meditate, and that's mm-hmm. hilarious to me. When I say hilarious, it's not. It's shockingly uh, <laughs> difficult right now to even meditate and have that calm moment without um, thinking, "Hey, I wish I could be calm and meditate." It's not like I'm not calm, but I can't. Uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of this meditation experience. I think that's yeah. that's the key. So with all these experiences. Um, you know, being here right now, coming full circle, for instance, um, is I'm still processing. Yeah, yeah. or still running. Or still running sure. a muck and not processing, or maybe trying understanding that I need to process, but again, yeah. figuring out how to get there. Okay, so I'm going to tell you something that came up for me that I don't know if this this has occurred to you or not. Yeah. Um, but when you were telling me how your mother you know told you the situation of of what happened to you know how you you were a child of right, rape right. um and you've expressed to me you know the distance um that you need to create with women mm-hmm. uh at the same time craving it i wonder if the lack of trust you expressed in yourself is your fear that you're going to be like your father hmm well that'd be like an uh, unconscious or subconscious yes. uh and I could understand possibility. That. Yes. Right, right. No, that's I mean that's a great point. That's that could be that could be yeah. the uh yeah. Well I mean it's it's good to you let's know just let's just sit in that in a second, right? Yeah. That's like a pretty big yeah. deal to in a way, you know, you you're identifying it's almost like the only thing you know about your father, right? So it's your way to attach to him. Right. Have you thought about meditating on that and maybe sitting in um what what it feels like to only know that kind of information about your father mm-hmm. and 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 how you can be different from him in ways that are more supportive to you maybe than than pushing away somebody you know you know yeah no I haven't th- thought about that I haven't thought about meditating on that I think for me it's the running it's the um, as a hotel um, manager it's more of 
kind of uh, putting, uh, providing experience to others rather than giving to myself. And I think so that's the career choice, the Did life you just, choice. You just, you just totally backed away from everything I just no, said. No, no. I actually understand. I'm going to come full circle with it. Okay. I think. Let's try to use less so words because I know I, you like to kind of like, it's right. like I can feel your body just like. <laughs> so you, 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 ask, you ask me if I, if you ask me if uh, I ever meditated on that or thought about that. Mm -hmm. I can actually agree with what you just said in terms of the reflecting and how I feel about it and trying to find the connection with my father, mm -hmm. I can 100% agree with you yeah. and I can say, but I think that uh, if I look at it, every step that I've chosen in life, of course, mm -hmm. is correlated to me trying not only to connect, but also um, not be like, uh, yeah. but also be better. So for instance, um, staying in marriages that I knew weren't really working out, that the, that the relationships weren't just there, the connection wasn't there. Um, doing, going to school, going to college, because I was the first, uh, you know, person mm -hmm. in the family to go to mm -hmm. to go to university. Being the first one to travel to Europe, mm -hmm. minus uh, you know, grandfathers yeah. in the war and things like that. But so these are all these are all these are all amazing, material, tangible things. Right. Um, you know, my theory, if you look at our our government, as a mm -hmm. perfect example. There's a lot of band-aid slapping on issues. We're not really dealing with the big, deeper issues, and that's why the problems are still arising. You know, if if, if you don't heal a wound and you just cover it up all the time, the wound's still going to be there. Right. So, yes, the external is important, and that doesn't mean it discounts the internal. It doesn't mean it corrects everything from the inside. You know. Right. Right. I don't think I ever. You, and you are correct about that. So I think for me. It was always uh, placing the bandage on, focusing on the achievements yeah. of what normalcy looks like versus taking a moment, stepping back and saying, okay, how do I currently feel? Yeah. How do I want to feel? And how do I get there? And you know, um, the, I think they're, they're learning now that um, kids who are high overachievers, uh, they're doing that to make up oftentimes for the chaos at home because it's the way that a child can feel safe and in some kind of controlled environment. And, and, and then there's the other side of if I, if I just do enough, this other part that's so chaotic can just be okay. And it's this very normal like, processing thing for a, a coping, let's say coping thing, because yeah, it's was... not really processing, but coping mechanism. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, um, you know, from a young age and even in, in school, you know, being a straight A student, being the overachiever, winning all the awards for English and history and art and math and Latin. I think I was uh, I was always focused on achieving, achieving, achieving. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, yeah. And just staying away from the reality of, of yeah. situations. And that for me, it was like, it's for instance, my brother, would, my brother would go out and smoke joints mm -hmm. and get into trouble and get arrested. And I would overachieve at school and be like the, the goody two shoes and mm -hmm. and play sports. And it was all way a good way to make up for good way to make. Yeah. yeah. And it, but never, never enjoyable. I mean, there were yeah. moments enjoyable were, of course, um, the accolades and such. But more so, it was never, I never stopped and thought, you know, what do I really enjoy? Would I enjoy surfing versus uh, basketball and football? Would I enjoy um, smoking a joint versus uh, achieving and, and helping family uh, file uh, papers and help my mom with like taxes and, and staying organized while she was traveling? So I was like the um, kind of uh, filling in as the uh, patriarch in terms of uh, keeping the house uh, organized and clean and. Uh, yeah. And yeah. all the lots of responsibilities. So right. no wonder 
you want to now play a lot. Have, right. you, have you heard the term adult child? <coughs> I have, mm -hmm. yeah. And and that that comes from in a way uh, an arrested state of development in in you know children that had to be adults in certain ways when they were little, right? You know, they 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 almost stop in mm. that stage of development in certain areas, and then you know as adults still acting out as children. Many of us do, right? You know, this is right. an extremely common theme. But that would make sense if you you're just you're just looking to play. If life was so heavy when you were younger, you know. Mm. No, hundred percent. I think I have outlets of just uh, going out and and hooking up with uh, women and having sex just to kind of get that release. Yeah. Um, also, just uh, you know, and I don't say I'm not a big drinker, or probably because again, if we've, we've said yeah. the same with my father, uh -huh. I think it's with my brother being an alcoholic. Yeah, I was never big into drinking, and uh, my excess uh, comes in food, my excess comes in mm -hmm. women, mm -hmm. and my excess comes in achievements. Um, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. tangible achievements mm -hmm. that are societal achievements. So those would be the three. In essence, all of those things are uh, what I hear in that is satiating. Right. Just satiating something, right? Filling yourself up in right. some way, you know. And and if you're really looking at healing that, you're going to have to let some of that go mm -hmm. and not be satiated to see what's beneath it. It makes sense, and and let others in, and not put yeah. up such a bravado, and not put up such a, I don't want to say act, but not put up yeah, such a it is act, an act. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's the only true uh, moment where I'll know myself, but also others will feel comfortable and, and understand, like, hey, this is an actual human being who's uh, emotionally uh, there. Yeah, and so. Right now, you know, we, we right. before we started talking, you know, on on this uh, on this episode, um, you had mentioned that you know sex is on your mind a lot, right? Right. And based on what's happening right now in our conversation, what's going on for you? Are you feeling more grounded about that? Does that not feel an issue for you now that we're having this kind of discussion? Because I did, I, I sense something energetically shifting with you. Okay. I don't know if you felt that. Well, I think just in the past few moments of our conversation, yeah. I yeah. definitely felt a shift. Um, I'm, the one thing I do pride myself on, and it's not just to sound like, hey, this is great, this is fantastic, this, but at the key, the pride, pride myself on uh, at least the awareness. Now, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you seem open enough, open like, enough to uh, be to be aware, to hear, right? To, to hear, hear it, it. and yeah. so I think, which is hard. That's is, uh, kudos to that. Yeah, thank you very much. No, I appreciate it's not, it. And not it's, an easy thing. So I think. Um, you know, from that standpoint, the awareness is there, but again, I, I possibly could be a sex addict. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think, and maybe a lot of people are, they're not. Uh, it might be hidden, it might not be, but I enjoy sex. I enjoy yeah. the um, the closeness, the act, the afterwards, the, um, the feeling, the, um, you know, just the overall kind of euphoric feeling of it all. Um, so it has the conversation shifted, yeah. yeah. No. So, you know, a lot of people don't believe in, in even a sex addict. You know, they think it's just mm -hmm. an excuse or whatever for, you know, just inexcusable behavior or right. whatever. You know, like a lot of people have this perception of it. Um, but as we were discussing before and, you know, what I've learned about even sexual appetite, how it can be related to, you know, it's another way of emotionally coping that, again, for men, it's considered completely acceptable to have that kind of behavior. It's it's right. it's celebrated, right? So there's this part that cult, you know culturally society is is supporting you 
in that. Um, but that really it's all, not all, but a lot of it has to do with like how much we can be using this thing to avoid intimacy, just like we would use alcohol or food or drug, you know, whatever it is, something else. And, um, the thing is, is, you know, it's just another coping mechanism, right? And all of that is oftentimes based, we have, you know, our attachment style to our parents. Right. And and what what is in our DNA, like the trauma is stored in the DNA. Right. So it's not just our parents, but our parents attachment with their parents and, you know, down down the line that goes along with, you know, cultural messages and institutional messages, you know. So you have a lot working against you in that way, it sounds, you know, and then it's very easy to get distracted with this thing that's, you know, quote unquote, going to fix you just how you described what your healing journey means. Like, I, I it's yeah. no mistake that you used that word. I, I knew what right. you meant when you said that. Right. You didn't want to own that. But that, that's the thing is there's something in you, I think, that says that's going to fix you. And that's going to be, you're going to have to do a lot of unraveling to get that, that message out of your brain. I mean, and that's it's that's great kind of foresight and, and feedback. I think the, the most difficult thing, and you just asked me this earlier, is, you know, was there a shift? Yes, there was a shift. I think there was a, a slight openness, uh, mm-hmm. opening of um, uh, feeling and emotion. I just don't know um, how far and how long it will take to kind of yeah. uh, let it uh, let it go. And I don't know if I actually even want to mm-hmm. to open that can of worms up. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's a challenge because in the end, um, that's well, absolutely the challenge. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's quite interesting, but. Because if you don't, if you don't want to fix it, it's not going to be. I mean, that's where it, they say it's an inside job. I mean, you have to want it. Nobody can do it for you. Right. And and you do have the option of continuing all your patterns and not dealing with that, which may. I mean, listen, they they work for you for a reason, right? right you right, know. Right. Um, and if they weren't fun, we wouldn't be doing them. Right. But then I, I just wonder, like the way you described, you're overachieving. Is it as much fun as you think it is? Well, so when I was younger, the overachieving was um, defense uh, mechanism, of course, uh-huh. and it was like um, uh, definite. Now, I stopped overachieving when I moved to California for the first time in, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, as a senior in high school. But I mean, is so, the overeating, is right. the... Um, let's say over sexualizing right. is that actually as fun as you think it is if you if you just sit that with this you know there, there's a there's a threshold right where yeah, it feels yeah. good and then it goes to the other side then it feels so so bad I think the um, of course the overeating no but the um, the sex I think it um, again and I as a, as a male uh-huh. as a who I am I think the chase is fun I think the um, the moments are fun I think the energy that I I, I do take energy positive energy at least I feel like it's positive from those experiences and I think yes I do use that as a uh, and then you move on to the next and it's interesting I not so much believe it or not Jacqueline I think um, I actually um, hold on to relationships longer and I hold on to um, experiences longer and there is the caring and there's the um, and some kind of level of uh, connection there for a good amount of time but I am uh, fickle in terms of the next new shiny thing wow you mm-hmm. know this is mm-hmm. great um, but there's always the communication of for instance oh Jacqueline you're fantastic you were great and we uh, had a love affair great summer 
Um, it would never be me ending the relationship, but it would be me just kind of walking into another relationship or that's what I mean onto, yeah onto, onto the, the next, next onto yeah. the next yeah and so many times but I see it as a more of a meandering versus a onto the next <laughs> and I, just, I, <laughs> I think that your meandering is every time you do that yeah. that's your trauma but it's your way of shutting down of be kind of coming you know almost lackadaisical like okay I'm just gonna like check out this thing like there's something detached about that you know right Moving on to the next art exhibit yeah. or uh, just walking aimlessly down the street and, oh, let's just turn right on this corner. I've never been down this street. Oh, should I come in and mm -hmm. let's uh, try this out. And, and, and relating back to sex, I yeah. I'd shared this earlier with you that, um, you know, men have this, you know, they love the chase and right. the conquer. And then you see oftentimes if it happens too premature in a relationship, they shut down and what, what men will say is that oh, I just I just wasn't really interested in her. She has this, you know, they'll mm -hmm. they'll come up with all these excuses. But what I think is that it got too intimate for them, and then the trauma just shut that right down, right? Because it, it's also yeah. not, you know, again, culture doesn't support men being intimate and vulnerable. Oh no, you know, it's a you know this kind of love you and leave you mentality a little bit. I can agree and disagree, but yeah. me being raised by by a woman mm -hmm. and also being surrounded by women, my my aunt, my grandmother, mm -hmm. I think uh, having a, a female kind of upbringing. Yeah, this is where I I differ. Uh -huh. I don't want to say that I'm different, but I, this is where I differ in in the thought that you just brought up, which is agreed. There is a, I, I open up emotionally. In, in these uh, experiences, relationships, mm -hmm. sexual experiences, just standard relationship, I open up very deeply. So, um, so you, you use that, like a, a female uses that, right? Like that's right. your, but when you say open up, a lot of men excuse sex for intimacy and right. they're not necessarily the same thing. Sex is an intimate act. It can be completely non-intimate, even with somebody you're with for years. Right. And that's it doesn't mean, I mean, yes, you're connected in a certain way, but it's not necessarily intimacy. Fair, I think it, men can confuse that a lot. Agreed, I think, uh, fair enough. I think intimacy and uh, opening up an emotion would be more like laying in bed and thinking of hey let's talk about your your biggest fears your biggest um maybe you're not even laying in bed maybe you're just having a conversation a convers with a woman without any kind of physical touch i mean that can be very intimate right well we'll have to, uh, that's still still to be determined well i can say from experience this can be an intimate moment right this without, is true this is very intimate yeah. you know um, and I didn't mean just this moment but yes this yes, is actually general, an intimate general, yeah. conversation this is intimacy right, right now right you know. So in that in that case in that case uh, agreed. I think men, <laughs> including myself, being a man, uh -huh. uh, can confuse intimacy because they yeah. they need to really look at the definition as do I and say, hey, this is an intimate moment. We're having a, a deeper conversation. I'm telling you uh, my uh, kind of life, and you're asking and uh, about situations. So delving deeper mm -hmm. without the sexual experience. Yeah. So that's intimacy. It makes sense. No, sorry, I'm just backtracking in my yeah, in my please. mind on that. Yeah. But uh, there's definitely a wall of uh, <laughs> I definitely have a wall yeah. uh, up, even to at this point. So it's yeah. uh, it's yeah. strange. The stage always yeah. on the stage, and that's it's yeah. always been like that. And it hence must that's be exhausting. Been, well, it could be. Yeah, I yeah. go home and uh, I pass out <laughs> from yeah. exhaustion. Yeah, no wonder you why, why you want to keep people at a distance. Yeah. You're always putting on a show, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work. No, it is. And like I said, I think I chose this business or it chose me because 
you know, everyone's you know, you're fantastic, you're wonderful, and yada yada yada. But it I think fulfills everything it fulfills, that yeah. you do. It right, the accolades, that, yeah. the uh, mm-hmm. the time, the, the putting ass- on the show, the putting on the show, the assistance, mm-hmm. being helpful, um, mm-hmm. being needed, being revered, yeah. somewhat respected, yeah. things like that. So it gives me everything that I need, yeah. and that's why I bring back career, career, career so much in this yeah. conversation is because I'm basically holding on to that as a... To avoid intimacy. Avoid, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's no, another exactly. way. Again, a very socially acceptable way Certainly. to avoid... Yeah, I mean, it's completely revered in our culture. Yeah, yeah isn't that shocking? Mm-hmm. But now, sitting here with you, I can... Yeah, this is... It's actually... It's, this is kind of lovely. It's, it's relaxing, yeah. right? It actually yeah. feels very relaxing to have this kind of open dialogue. No, it does, it know? does. And yeah. for me, I can see what a bastard I am because uh, with the women, it's always uh, a... Uh, dominance game or a um, yeah. romantic uh, yeah. innuendos versus an actual mm-hmm. respect of uh, conversation, communication, and just a uh, focus on two humans having a conversation yeah. and trying to understand each other better. Well, Eric, thank you so much for allowing yourself to, again, be malleable enough to just hear what I have to say and, and allow for a different experience than you said you normally have around women. So. Thank you for that. Thank you. Now the question is, are you gonna are you gonna keep your bald head, and are you gonna keep are you gonna keep the weight? What's gonna happen this next year? We're gonna see. <laughs> this is gonna be a surprise. Well, <laughs> only time will tell. It's uh, I uh, I'm definitely gonna keep the uh, the bald head. Mm-hmm. Um, the weight uh, it's ups and downs, ups and downs. Yeah. But, uh, physical boundary, great physical boundary with yeah. other people. The weight, literally, yeah. you know. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. But it's gonna be an yeah. interesting uh, year. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Jacqueline, the therapist. Thanks for listening.